I'm Tony Tardio. Hello and welcome to Darren Hinch's That's Life podcast. A podcast where we talk about the big stories of the past, the big stories of today, through the prism of Hinch's six decades in the media. In this episode, the deaths of the Duke of Edinburgh, G. Gordon Liddy and Carla Zampatti. Darren Hinch, welcome to That's Life. That's good, mate. We're doing very well in South Korea on our podcast, apparently, and in Hungary. Well, Hungary's always been our strongest point. <laughs> it has. There's a guy there, John Verpaletti. He, he follows me on Twitter. Oh, is that right? Okay. He's the guy who wrote to you, John, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever <laughs> you're John. listening to us there in, uh, in Hungary. We wish you all the best. Now, Darren, you've had the jab. Yes, I had the jab a few a few days ago, and uh, the AZ, the AZ jab I had, uh, I was the first one off the, off the rank, first came off the rank at my local doctor's across the road from uh, at a local medical centre, and uh, I've had absolutely no um, side effects at all. I lie, I've had one. The one side effect has been, I put a picture up of me having the jab on the Justice Party Facebook page, and the side effect from that, the reaction was disgraceful don't think i've ever had such a tough uh reaction from people i'm a i'm i was paid by the uh, the drug companies allegedly um another one i saw the way your arm was pinched you didn't really have the jab right uh, everybody wears short sleeve shirts and you didn't i haven't owned a short sleeve shirt in 10 years 15 years anyway uh and you're you're you're, you're a sheep a guinea pig a, a dog and will you be alive in the morning it was just extraordinary. And that stuns me. It, it really does. Uh, it just shows to me that the level of distrust that there is out there yes, in all forms of what we would normally have regarded as sort of like uh, uh, usual normal means of information. You know. Tony, it's a very good point you raise because when we all got flu shots, nobody went crazy and, and started to analyse the, the drug company that... I just my doctor said I got the flu shot. Let's like let's have it, you know. Um, but it's out. And it's a worry for the government because I know in my small circle of friends and acquaintances, uh, I've got a friend whose mother is ninety who says, "Oh, I don't think I'll have the jab," you know. Um, people are getting doubted about it. And the 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 best thing I saw, the best most telling cartoon I saw about this, was. Um, a young woman who's been told by her doctor, well, you're under 50, so you can't have the AZ uh, vaccination because it may cause blood clots. And uh, she said, OK, just give me the pill then, her oral contraceptive, you know. <laughs> where we've had mothers, you know, giving the pills to their 13-year-old daughters to get rid of acne, and yet they... And, and blood, the contra, contraceptive pill causes more blood clots than... than, than, than COVID vaccines ever will. I mean, you've got more chance of being hit by a by a plane at your local restaurant than you ever being getting a blood clot from an a, AZ um, vaccination. Well, when you say AZ, it's AstraZeneca. That's mm-hmm. the uh, that's the the vaccine. AstraZeneca. Yeah. yeah. Uh, now I didn't. Uh, I, I, I had no choice. I must admit. I think uh, the PM probably had visor. Probably. I don't know. But look, it's. Your chances of, of getting COVID are much better, much stronger if you don't get vaccinated than you have if you do get vaccinated. And I, I, I can't understand the, 
the antipathy. <clears throat> you read the media and uh, they're all talking about how the, the, the vaccine rollout has been diabolical it's uh, you know it's, it's it's messed up and all that sort of stuff and, and well, well, it's, it's part of the scomo's fault i mean they, they they promised four million by by march end of march and they've only delivered one million um they shouldn't have over promised and under delivered I, I, i'll grant that but at least we're getting there and, and we have we have one of the best records in the world against covid19 of any country people are dying by the thousands overseas and we've we've had I think, what, 1,000 deaths in, in 18 months. I, I just don't understand how they haven't explained fully what's going on. I, I mean, it's, it, it seems to me that all of the vaccines that were supposed to be coming our way from Europe, uh, a lot of them haven't come. So mm-hmm. they haven't had the supply to put it, push out there to doctors and places where they, you know, administer the vaccine. Why haven't they come out clearly and said, these are the numbers. We were expecting this many and this many arrived. Well, I'll tell you what, Tony, if I were the Prime Minister of Australia, I would sack my media unit and speechwriters, because he's not getting the message across, and, and it's, 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 it's bad for him, you know. Uh, they had that press conference the other night at 7.15, and he can't win. I mean, people said, oh, why didn't he hold off and, and announce it next morning? If he had held off, people would say, why didn't you announce it last night? I mean, I, I, I'd hate to be, be running the government, running the country at the moment, because, because that very, that, that dichotomy of views is just bizarre. I mean, oh. I, I agree with you. They should tell us how many how many are out there, how many are in storage, if they are in storage. Um, I, I get my second one. I thought it was in three weeks' time. I'm told, no, it's in three months' time, uh, two or three months. In the meantime, and I warn people, um, if you are going to be vaccinated, and I hope you are, because I think for the good of the country and for the good of your family and yourself, um, get your flu shot early because you can't have a the vaccination for COVID-19 within something like 12 days of having had the flu shot. So next month I go to my flu shot, then a month later I go and have my, my follow-up booster uh, of, of the avid. The, the other thing I wanted to say, Darren, was uh, and is it okay to be too transparent? I mean, I'm a, a journalist, you're a journalist, we like transparency, I would have thought. Give people as much information as you possibly can. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so I would say every day release the figures on the number of people who've been vaccinated so that then we can track it and see how it's all going. Well, well, they're doing that. But also, also, Darren, release the figures of any adverse reactions yes. and what they are. Now, as far as I know, no one in Australia has died no. as a result of having the vaccine. No, but a man in his 40s got a blood clot, apparently. Now, listen, I've got this list. I've just pulled it up from my desk here. Hold on. I went to a place called Modern Med- Medical in St Kilda Road to have mine, and it says uh, possible side effects from this vaccination: pain at the site of injection, well, there's a mild discomfort, nothing, nothing at all; temperature, headache, and then it goes on saying you may get this, you may get that. And I, I tell you, I had nothing, absolutely nothing, at all. So, can you assume that the second one you get is going to be the? If the first one doesn't affect you, the second one definitely. Will. I'm, I'm I'm pretty sure of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I was ready for. They warned me you might get headaches. Uh, there's like a one in umpteen million chances of getting a blood clot. I laughed actually. I was my, I was my doctor's first 
um, COVID-19 vaccination patient. He'd, and he said, I've done the training, Darren. <laughs> so, and, then I, and then people said to me, oh, how come, you know, middle-aged or elderly white men are getting it and we, everybody else isn't? Well, I didn't get any special favours. I just had went on, on the website and just logged in and... Uh, and I, and I figured I would be fairly high up in the queue because I, because I'm over seventy, which puts you in the one A or one B group, whatever it is. And also, I've had a trans, liver transplant, and I take medication every day, which means I have no immune system. You know, my immune system's stuffed. I, I run the risk every time of, of if, if ever I get pneumonia, it could kill me. Uh, and I take medication that lowers my. Uh, immune system because it's designed that way so that my body uh, doesn't um, doesn't reject the trans you know the, the foreign object inside me. I, I take these pills every day and I call them my Elvis pills because it's just proof that Elvis hasn't left the building. <laughs> <laughs> so so you put a photograph of yourself with a long yep. sleeve shirt getting the injection in your arm on Facebook and as I'm a result party, of that yep. on, on the Justice Party page mm. as a result of that you copped a a battering of abuse. More than 2,000 comments, most of them anti. Just, and, oh, I mean, I thought I was being quite demure. I, I pulled the shirt to one. I didn't, do a, I didn't do a bloody Putin. I didn't go bare-chested. I thought I was being quite um, quite discreet. But they went apeshit. They really did. And I thought, how could I? And as I said, more than 2,000 comments and most of them were anti. And, and the comment you just made about, you know, white, male, whatever, mm. there's a lot of anger out there and bitterness and vitriol. It's just, it's just where is this coming from? What's feeding it? Well, I, I wonder. It, 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 it's, it's, I, I wonder too. It's the world today, Tony. Uh there is anger, there is bitterness. That uh, I can't remember the slogan about the pale male and whatever, um, but it, it's there, and that will hurt the government, I think, um, because they are they are in control supposedly, and so therefore people come at that or come at that. Anyway, yeah. let, let, we should we should talk about Prince Philip because he yes. uh, he died recently. Well, he was ninety nine. That just proof that yeah. you don't go on forever, but you might go on for a long time. Uh, when he died, he, it was a bit of a shock because uh, it just happened suddenly, but we knew that uh, he was un unwell. Now, you had it, famous dealings with him at one stage. <laughs> well, look, first of all, he had been uh, he'd been in hospital. He was, he was, you know, he was ninety nine, a few months away from a hundred. Uh, he'd been the consort for more than seventy years to the Queen. Um, he's the longest serving royal consort consort in. Uh, English regal history, okay? Um, he walked behind his wife for more than seven decades. Uh, I loved one line I saw from somebody who met him here, uh, who was, and Philip said to this politician in Victoria, what do you do? And he said, uh, I'm a deputy premier. And Philip said, oh, I understand that. <laughs> that, was, <laughs> but, um, that was John Thwaites. Was, oh, yeah, it was beautiful, a beautiful line, you know. I can understand that, I can sympathise or something like that. Look, I, I actually first met Prince Philip um, in Kingston, Jamaica, in 1966, before most of our listeners were born. I was down there for the Commonwealth Games, and he was there with Princess Anne to open the Commonwealth Games in Kingston. And I had a chat to him. And I, 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 I said this on Sunrise recently. I, he's done an extraordinary job as the as the number two 
in the royal family and the father of a troubled family for many years. I'll grant all that. But I have to say, I know all, all history owes the dead's the truth, he was the most sarcastic man I've ever met in my life. Now, you he, um, you interviewed him as a journalist, or were you yes, talking to him just as a person at a function? No, 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 he knew I was a journalist. I introduced myself as a journalist, and I won't go into the details, but uh, he was arrogant. And I must admit, when Harry and Meghan did their Oprah interview recently, and they said that one member of the royal family asked how black the baby would be, I immediately assumed it would be Prince Philip. But it wasn't, and I hasten to add that because uh, Harry went back to Oprah after the interview and said it wasn't my grandmother, it wasn't the Queen, and it wasn't Prince Philip. The rumour now is it was Princess Anne. Uh, but but Philip was, he was more sarcastic and, and cynical people. I mean, remember, he, he said things like, he asked a British student how long you've been in Hong Kong. He said, don't stay too long, you'll get slanty eyes. <laughs> he, 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 saw, he, he saw some... Um, electrician's job in, in, in Scotland, I think it was, and he said, this has obviously been done by an Indian. <laughs> he, had, he had no qualms about being out. I mean, PC didn't exist in his world. He, he had a, a weird uh, childhood. I read, mm. I read where he, he had claimed to 16 fr- thrones in Europe somewhere, you know, like be just his family married other people in the... Well, well, well he, he, was, he, was a, he was a Danish-Greek prince in the Greek royal family, okay? And then the Greek royal family was, was tossed out. And so he was he was a nomad. And uh, he stayed, and, and his mum stayed with royals in, 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 and displaced royals all over Europe for, for many, many years. And then his father had, had, had left it, or divorced his wife, the queen, and then his mother was, was um, diagnosed with mental problems, so she spent most of her life in and out of mental institutions, and he was taken, for him, luckily, he was taken under the uh, the wing of Lord Louis Mountbatten. And that's why he wanted the house of Mountbatten to be called the Mountbatten, even though it was so German. Um, and they, the Queen and the royal family finally decided on the house of Windsor. Uh, and But he, Louis Mountbatten um, fostered the relationship between uh, Elizabeth and, and Philip. And he, he first met him when she was 13. He started, I think, dating him when she was 19. And he, he was a war hero. And he was he, he's one of the few royals who actually wears ribbons that he earned, you know. Uh, and so he... But he then he, he and Elizabeth got married. And when you think back now, 70 years ago, he knelt, he knelt before her when she was coronated and, and when she was crowned. And uh, he knelt before her and pledged his allegiance as a liege and, and, and whatever. And, and it was a very, I mean, for a macho man, that was pretty pretty big deal back in those days. Yeah, and even though he was uh, loyal to the Queen uh, for all of his life, there have been rumours about him playing around rumors, uh, illegitimate rumors. children in no, different rumors, parts of the world. His, his, his trips, the, I, I smiled when I was watching the tributes that he'd had 20 trips to Australia. On one of those great trips alone, he came here umpteen times by himself, the, the, the Australian bloke whose name I can't remember, who he travelled with, his wife divorced him during one of those tours because they were playing up so much. I mean, I'm, I'm old enough to remember... The rumours were so strong that there was a um, 
a book, a novel came out in the 60s. And you probably still find it on Amazon. It was called The Consort. Okay? It was called The Consort. And it was a novel, I hasten to add, about a uh, the husband of, of a British queen who travels around Tahiti and Fiji, etc. And the cover showed a bloke in, uh, in royal robes in a, in a crowd and a very nubile, um, voluptuous, topless native girl next to him. And it was obviously, the book was written obviously about Prince Philip. He had, uh, by any measure, a, a, a remarkable life. Uh, but... Let's but uh, go on from the, some of the pro things he did. I mean, he, he founded, uh, co-founded, I should say, the World Wildlife Fund. Even though he was shooting tigers and stuff. And even when he, no, I don't know if he shot tigers, but he was shooting, certainly shooting foxes. You know, I, I, he, was an, he was an enigma like that. I mean, he, he founded that. Uh, at his funeral, they were going to um, uh, have his casket carried on, on a Land Rover, which he had actually personally helped um, design, uh, an adapted upmarket Land Rover for the military, which he resigned. I mean, and he did do, as I said before, he did do legitimate uh, military service, and he came to Australia uh, on military service. Uh, so, and look, to, to be that background, and, and I, I was surprised when Charles and Diana were splitting up, uh, one of her books pointed out that um, her main strength was Prince Philip, that he... he, he they wrote letters to each other back in Hornworth in which he, he tried to support her and, and, and said at one stage that, uh, uh, you know, it's da-di-da-di-da, you know. Well, there you go. Uh, Prince Philip dead at the age of uh, 99. Can you imagine spending 70 years opening stuff, talking small stuff with people? Oh. Um, it would get all a bit irritating after a while. Oh, oh yeah. It, 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 I mean, you would. I mean, that is your life. I mean... He, he walked behind his wife for 70 years and in, in Charles, in his tributes to his dad, said that he, and other people in writing, said he never tried to um, overshadow the Queen. You know, he knew his, quote, he knew his place. And he was never made king, of course. Because now, why wouldn't it, he be king? Yeah. Well, he, I mean, his... Um, the, the the queen's mother was was queen and yes. king king george and, and queen mary uh, not mary queen whatever her name was um i don't know uh, but she, she never and she had the power she never made him king uh i guess because and this is just hinch guessing and i'm a republican that if it become king philip it would be king and queen not queen and king mm. and it would demean her in some, I'm making this up, but it would have demeaned her in some manner or form, but she never considered, I don't think, uh, making that she made. He was the consort, and he stayed consort for 70 years. Darren, another person who died recently who uh, people probably uh, young, you know, in their 40s may not even have heard of. Uh, you and I were a bit older, so we remember Watergate and we remember a lot of the people who were involved in that. Uh, G. Gordon Liddy was a guy. I remember when he died, you tweeted about the interview that you did on television. And I remember watching that where, <laughs> where he said, I could kill you with a pencil if I wanted yeah. to. Yeah, that's the truth. Well, G. Gordon Liddy was the leader of the Watergate burglars. Now, the Watergate... Scandal gets its name, Watergate, because and now they say something gate, this gate, that gate. It started with Watergate. It was a hotel in Washington which 
contained the headquarters of the um, Democratic Party. And a bunch of, uh, of, of White House dirty tricks people, they call them the White House plumbers, they, um, they broke into the Democratic headquarters at the Watergate Hotel and they uh, allegedly were looking for inf information that could, that could um, you know, attack the Democrats in the 72, 1972 elections. And anyway, I was covering at the time. I remember, I remember being at um, at the Alamo in, in, in with George McGovern, the Democratic candidate, and saying, "We don't break into hotels wearing rubber gloves." You know, we and we didn't know much about Watergate back then. As it turned out, uh, we, we we had tapes and things, and there's a Watergate inquiry, a Senate inquiry, which proved that the Nixon White House was in it up to their ears, and Nixon knew about it, and da 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 da. But G. Gordon Liddy was the was the chief plumber, the chief burglar. Anyway, years later, and that was fifty years ago. And uh, anyway, years later, I'm filling in, hosting Willisey '81, '1981, filling in for Mike Willisey, and uh, in Sydney. And G. Gordon Liddy was in Australia promoting his book, and so I. I I walked into the dressing room, as you always do, and just say hello. I don't spend time in asking questions because I don't want to give things away, but I just said, oh, hi. And uh, he would never dream that some yokel Aussie journo would even know what Watergate was, all right? He's here in Australia pushing his book, and I'm, I'm suddenly interviewing him. He would not know that I'd covered Watergate from the day it happened through the Senate inquiries in Washington. So I knew everything about Watergate. Now, Liddy was a man who used to, as a joke, would hold his hand over an open live candle to prove how brave he was. Right? He said, I'll walk over my grandmother for Richard Nixon. He allegedly used to eat rats at live rats or dead rats at parties to prove what a tough gung ho What a macho guy he was. What a macho <clears throat> guy he was. Anyway, I say hello to him in the dressing room and, and that's all. And then I walk into the, we're in the studio. And I had a very, deliberately had a very drab, mild intro to the interview. And he's sitting there. And I, then my first question was, Mr. Liddy, you must be the meanest son of a bitch that God ever put breath into. <laughs> and, and it became well you saw it it became a childish game we both just stared at each other and neither was going to blink whoever blinked first would lose okay? yeah yeah you, so, you were looking at each other you know uh, just death stares julie 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 um bishop death stares correct. You know, just staring at each other and neither would blink and uh, then he picked up a pencil he'd been fiddling with and he said do you know, he said, pointing at my throat, he said, I could kill you in this in 30 seconds. It was good television. <laughs> he, he had been to jail. When he came out, oh, yeah. he, the book he was promoting was called Will. Uh, and I think he was trying to show you what, what you know, he was strong-willed and, you know, his mind yeah. could do anything. But he'd, he'd been to jail. I think he was sentenced to 20 years jail and eventually uh, Gerald Ford or Jimmy Carter... Yeah, Gerald Ford. Gerald Ford would, would have pardoned him. Re reduced the, the sentence, yeah, and he was released from jail. When he died, he, he made it to 90. He actually was a, a radio host for a lot of years. Uh, yes, he was. Too. A conservative radio person as well, yeah. But I'll tell you what, he was a tough, tough dude. And I remember it was so it, it, it wasn't planned. We just suddenly started staring at each other. Uh, I said with a Julie Bishop death stare, and neither would blink. Because like the first one to blink loses. You know? 
Do you think if Watergate happened now, it would be such a big deal? Because I look at things that have happened since, uh, particularly during the Trump administration, and Nixon, it doesn't seem like a big deal compared to all that sort of stuff. Nixon at least played by the rules. He realised he did something wrong Mm. and he was trying to hide it. Instead of saying, oh, it's all fake news and, uh, you know... Yeah, yeah. No, no, because I remember when John Dean was, was was a White House lawyer who dropped and his wife, beautiful wife Maureen, I remember that, uh, who sat behind him dutifully throughout the whole the Senate hearings, and uh, and the, the line was, "What did the president know, and when did he know it?" And John Dean just dropped the line, saying, "Well, you know, there were White House recordings, and you could have heard a bomb go off. I mean, it was just a pin drop. It was there were White House recordings." And they ordered them to be produced, and they were, and are so damning of President Nixon. He resigned in the end, but at one stage, there were 17 minutes, I think it was, missing of the recordings. And the White House press secretary, a secretary rather, was trying to explain how her foot came off the uh, the, the translator or something, you know, and then she, she wiped them by mistake, and it was the most excruciating moment to watch a woman having to lie for the president. You know, the, the, these hearings uh, were televised live all around mm. America uh, and they were compulsory viewing every oh, right, yeah. day because something new came out of it. Uh, yeah. Quite astonishing to see well, that I, unfold. I, I, mate, I can hear it in my ear right now, having covered it. Senator Baker kept saying, one question... What did the president know and when did he know it? And that was what brought him down. You know, and, he, and finally, in 1974, um, Richard Nixon resigned as president of the United States, which was you know, amazing. Well, I remember uh, going to school that day. It was August the 9th. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I went to my brother's place because I didn't have school in the afternoon. And... Uh, uh, I think I watched it live when he made his uh, famous speech where where he was talking to his White House staff mm. and he was talking without notes and he was trying to explain how, you know, don't hate people because hate destroys you and not them and all that sort of stuff. If you can go on YouTube and, uh, and, and see that speech, which uh, everybody said was uh, something that came from his heart. And, of course... Well, I- he gets onto the helicopter, does the big wave, and then the, does, v- does victory, the victory sign. V, he does a victory V sign. That's right. He did. <laughs> I was in Washington when that happened, and uh, ironically, people were driving around um, the White House in their cars and waving signs saying, honk if you think he's guilty. <laughs> uh, it, was ext- it was an extraordinary time. But you're probably right that these days it would only cause a mild hiccup. I mean, you look at things like... Um, uh, so Barry Unsworth in New South Wales resigned over a bottle of Penfold's wine. You know, you think now he just shrug it off. I mean, you look at Lamming is doing. Lamming is done in in, in uh, Queensland and think, what's a bottle of wine? Oh, holy shit! Who cares? Yeah, uh, Darren Carla Zampatti, Italian lady. Mm. Uh, she's from the northern Italy, northern part of Italy. Uh, her family came out here. I think she grew up in Western Australia and then became like a fashion. Icon. Did you have any dealings with her? Uh, I'm going to be very discreet here and say that many, many years ago, uh, I, 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 I tweeted after she died that Carla was one of the most, most stylish, exotic 
clever fashion leaders in Australia ever. She really was. She was amazing. Um, how she built that empire. Uh, now, I knew her uh, before... Before she was Carla Zampetti, actually. Um, what was she? What was she then? Before she was Carla Zampetti. She was Mary Zampetti, and she was a window dresser at David Jones in Sydney. Right. And we went out together for a little bit. Well, and, I was going to uh, say, when you say you're going to be discreet here, I don't want you to be discreet. <laughs> you actually dated Carla Zampetti. Yes. Went, no, I, I dated Mary Zampetti. How long did that go for? Oh, a very short time. I just arrived from New Zealand, so I was this little New Zealand kid, young Callow Journo, who was here. And uh, and years later, I met her again in New York when she was Carla Zampatti and famous designer. And a journo called Jack Le- Jack Cannon worked for the Melbourne Herald. Uh, me up. Said, hey, Jack Cannon, I remember him yeah. being on Channel 9 years ago. That's right, he was, and he's, he's a sports director. And anyway, he said... Darren, he said, I'm, I'm, I'm downstairs, I'm down in the local, our local bar, having a drink with Carla Zampatti, why don't you join us? So I did, and then Carla and I had dinner afterwards, and she was flying off to Paris uh, for a some fashion show, and suddenly it dawned on me, and I said, Carla, I said, weren't you Mary Zampatti? She said, yes. I said, See how much effect I had on her. I said, we dated 15 years ago in Sydney. It was quite funny. She was, had no memory or she didn't want to remember I think, I, I, Well, it could be one or the other. It could be both. <laughs> yeah, she had no memory or didn't want to know because suddenly she was Carla Zampatti. And the most beautiful thing was I put a very discreet thing up on Twitter saying that I knew Carla when she was Mary Zampatti, a window dresser at David Jones. And I saw a Twitter tweet from somebody saying, I'm Carla's cousin. We still call her Mary. Mm, there you Wasn't go. that sweet? Yes. Yeah. So, so oh, you know what it's like with your background. I mean, whatever your name is, and she said, from, from when we were kids, we called her Mary and we still call her Mary. Yeah. So. Well, she went on to marry John Spender, the Liberal yes, Party minister. I've forgotten what minister. He was in the Howard uh, government. Mm-hmm. Um, lived in Sydney um, and uh, well, really... And Spender's father was a, was, a, was a legal giant in Australia for many years as well. Um, lived in Willara, that's true, yeah. And a number uh, of women who got on Twitter after she died and uh, praised her uh, designing, saying, you know, you could always rely on her. She came up with something that was simple and stylish and worked well and uh, it, it pieces gave, that they it, kept it, for years. There yeah, was a lady gave, who had a dress from 1968. <laughs> Look, I'm, I'm sure when, when a state funeral is being held, there'll be women turning up all wearing colours and patty outfits. She had style and she designed style and she designed power. And uh, she did it with class. I mean, it was a terrible accident. She, she was at the, uh, the opera and fell over on a, on a makeshift bunch of stairs. And one of her best friends who was there said she toppled head first down and never recovered consciousness. So it's just, but, oh, she had style. She had class and style. Wonderful woman. Well, there you go. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, Darren Nigel Hinch went out with her when she was Mary Zampatti in the 1960s. Your tentacles reach everywhere, Mr Hinch. <laughs> that is funny. I was going to tell you that story, actually. <laughs> All right, sunshine. Okay, thanks. Talk soon.